morning. Let me just go ahead and blame Pastor Markello and Michael for setting me up for this teaching today. I've been a Christian for a long time, many, many years, decades and decades, and I have never once, not once, ever heard anybody say, my favorite book of the Bible is Leviticus. Never. So in starting off that way, we have to understand something this morning. I'm only going to give a nutshell of what I believe that we could share to help us out a little bit. That video in itself opened up everything you needed to know about the sacrifices and why there were sacrifices because the only blood that could, be, could do that at that time is the one that God ordained to do. There were clean and unclean animals. We are unclean. We are sinful people. Even though we're washed by the blood and then we're born again, we still have sin nature. And yet God brought Jesus to be that for us. So let me say this. I love feast. <laughs> so if I could figure out a way to figure out how this is, I'm going to tell you something. If somebody says a feast, I'm on it. I'm on it like, you know, I'm on it like Donkey Kong. I'm on it. Here somebody said, we're going to go to Grandma's for Thanksgiving. That's a feast in my, in my thoughts, son. We're going to get on. So today I ain't going into all this uh, cutting up and slashing. And I, was, I want to go to the feast. So today the title of my message is Festivals huh, Plus Feast Equals Jesus. So I'm all about festivals too. I don't know, like when Minnie and I go out of town or go somewhere, I want to look up everything. What's going on in town? Is there something happening? Is there like some kind of festival or is there some kind of day that you celebrate or whatever it may be? We have festivals all the time in North Myrtle Beach. We have them all down Main Street. About every month we have something. You can go down there and there's food and drinks and, and all kind of stuff and music. I just love festivals. And if I was born in the day, I'd have been right there at Woodstock. If I, if I was there, I'd have been there. I wanted to go to that. That's be something I'd want to go check out, you know. So that's kind of my nature this morning. So I can't come up here and religiously, over-theologically get up here and give you all the information you need today. I have to deliver only what I know, and I, I promise you, um, it was either Spurgeon or one of the great men of God in the past that said this, this book Leviticus cannot be read but studied. So in doing that, you've all read, I'm sure, well, some people aren't here today, probably felt bad because they didn't read the book. <laughs> they didn't read it. But the point is, it cannot be read. You cannot walk through that thing and read it and understand how it works. But we just got a clear picture of how and God, the way he was moving from Exodus now to Leviticus. Yeah, I got numbers next week too. So it's like real exciting. But the point is, I want us to understand something. Everything that we see today, and I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about those seven feasts. Somebody say seven. seven. How many rituals and things were there up there? Seven. God said he created, and then on the seventh day, amen, all through Leviticus is seven, seven, the seventh day of the seventh month, and the seventh this and the seventh that. I am so tickled about stuff like that. I'm not good at math at all, but I can count the seven. <laughs> And I know the, the reason for seven, and God has that as a, as, a, as a word and a terminology. Seven means perfection. It means completion. It means all, all conclusive, complete. So God uses it through this whole thing. So we're going to start in Leviticus 23. We're not going to get out of Levi Leviticus 23 today. We're going to stay there and go over the seven different types of festivals. Now, or feasts, should I say. 
Let me just go ahead and give you an update since I started this. Um, what happens here is seven reoccurs many times in Leviticus. Seventh day of the week was the Sabbath. Seven weeks of Passover came from the first great feast of the year, which was Pentecost. The seventh month began with the Feast of Trumpets, which included what? The Day of Atonement and the Day of the Tabernacles. Amen? So seven is always coming up in this book. Thank God it is because God is doing something now. He got to that point where we left Exodus and Moses couldn't go in. Now he's bringing us into Leviticus and say, here's how you're going to get in. So he puts it in perspective. The seventh year of the Sabbath year was rest. The seventh Sabbath years that the next year was the 50th, which is Jubilee. How many love the Jubilee? Come on, give me a Jubilee. All Sabbaths were reminders that the worshipers and their time, their land, and all of their possessions belonged to Jehovah. They were reminded on a constant basis that that's what that was. So thank God for that. So everything in that sevens runs in the fact that all belongs to God. Everything that took place in this, God used everything He needed to use for us and for those people to get in the presence of God. And He is able to provide for you as number two is what seven is when you begin to understand how seven works. God has been trained. Hmm? He's been training them since manna double portion on a Friday. Remember back? He's been getting to that point, beginning plus, okay? So God will do the same for them and for us. Someone say, God, do the same for me. Now, you can do the rest of the study on that if you want to. But I do want to understand here that we have this book. We know Moses, but the Jewish prophet Amos also said it this way. He said, God does nothing without first revealing it to his servants and his prophets. God does nothing without first revealing it to the servants or the prophets. So in this book, we are learning, I mean, great details of how this whole thing comes to pass. So we're moving on now. Now, the first four, seven feasts. Somebody say four. Four. The Passover, unleavened bread, and the first fruits and weeks, they all have been fulfilled by Christ in the New Testament. The first four that we're going to discuss have been fulfilled. Now, the final three, trumpets, day of atonement, and the tabernacles, uh, they kind of fall in the fall of the year. Does anybody know who the, what those are? Anybody understand what we do in the fall? Rosh Hashanah, very good. Mindy, you read the notes on my paper last night? That was a... <laughs> so, I mean... I like it like this to understand something. Oh, my God, if four of the seven has already been done, we only got three left. And if you read it correctly, portions of those are actually involved already. So that's where we go today. The three main festivals are as listed. The unleavened bread, the harvest, and the booths. Now, We hear that and we think Old Testament. What in the world does that mean to us? Well, from us as Baptists, Pentecostals, all the way to the Catholics, we all observe these still today. And what are they? Good Friday, Easter, and Pentecost. So we still are in there and we do. Most major Christian religions observe the unleavened bread, the harvest, and the booths. So look how far these traditions have come from Leviticus. Oh, man, it brings it right up in your living room. Brings it up in your house. We ain't that far off from them. We're just a little, moved a little bit on. The word feast actually means appointed times. 
I don't know about you, through my Christian life, there's been some appointed times in my life. There's been some appointed times where God showed up in my life. A great man of God, Dick Rubin, uh, Jewish Dick Rubin, made a comment one time that floored me. I was in Bible school. I was sitting about the fourth row. I'll never, I'll never forget when I hit the floor. He said, when the glory is right, when the pattern's right, the glory will fall. Oh. That thing hit me so much because then I began to think about Exodus. I began to think about how God showed up when they did the right stuff. And I, and I realized when I started doing right and seeking Him, the glory, woo, when the pattern's right, people, in your life, the glory will fall. I mean, that's just a pattern. God's going to say it just like that. And, and then the other thing to that is they had to do all this stuff to get in the presence of God. But the Bible says that you, you today, draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Ooh, so if you ain't experiencing God in the last few weeks, it's probably because you're not drawing near. In reading our, our Bibles, we're all reading together. There's not a large crowd in this church today, but the bottom line is if we all stay together, we start saying the same thing, we begin to read the same thing, we go to studies at people's house and discuss this stuff, you're drawing near to God. It's the clearest way to draw near to God is to get into his word. And so today we get to that first one, and um, appointed times is we are coming to a place. You know, the seven annual feasts of Israel were spread over seven months, over a calendar, over appointed time by God. Somebody say seven months. We're going somewhere today now. We're going somewhere. Now, the first one that we have is Passover. And if you study that thing out, it has a lot to do with moons. Now, I'm not into astrology and all that stuff, but it has a lot of times it comes with the moon of that month. Have anybody seen any pretty moons in the last two years? Have we experienced some beautiful one-in-a-time moons? And I'm telling you, we're in a place at a time in the seasons that we're coming to the fall season. I know we're coming out of it, and y'all are glad, but we are coming to the the reason for it. Leviticus 23.5, if you're there, say amen. amen. Leviticus 23.5 says, In the first month of the 14th day of the month at twilight. See, a lot of those moons were part of that situation. And in this Passover, we firmly know how this came about, you remember the story, you may have said Charleston Heston in the movie, they spread the blood over the doorpost, and, and, and death passed over, and that was a symbolism of God's great goodness and mercy in that time, but yet at the same time, it goes on to point that the Lord's Passover, it points to the Messiah, our Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, Hallelujah. our Passover lamb. Hallelujah. He's not buddy, buddy, buddy Jesus, he's Passover lamb. He's Passover lamb. Boy, doesn't that feel good when you say it? He's a Passover lamb. He's my Passover lamb. Why? Because he sacrificed for you and me. He made a sacrifice. See, God's great deliverance for his people. That's what it was all about. It was that thing that they celebrated, that deliverance that that got his people out of slavery. Someone say, I don't want to be in slavery. Amen. So... It also represents a lot of different other things, but when you get through this, that's the basics of it. I tell you, I want to just put these in a nutshell this morning. So that was Passover. 
We want to stay in that vein and um, run to 1 Corinthians 5, 7 real quick. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. By the way, I have mixed up a little bit and got myself confused. Uh, I use NIV a lot, but I was wanting to use the ESV version, and um, that's a good one too. Are you in 1 Corinthians 5? Yeah. Verse 7, are you there? I'll start in six. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works, though the whole lump and the whole dough? That's for the next one, the unleavened bread. Get rid of all the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. (laughs) For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival. Not with an old yeast, but the yeast uh, not of malice and of wickedness, but with bread without yeast. The bread of sincerity and truth. God is saying that we need to get rid of the, what, the leaven. Leaven is a representative of sin. And then as we move that and they blend together, coming to the unleavened bread, and understanding that's in 23.6. You can turn there if you'd like. But this is right after the night of Passover. Leaven is a representative always of sin. Usually it took, what, three days. I like this because that unleavened bread, we're talking about getting that out. Leviticus 23.6. But the parallel to that, to put Jesus in that place, is that usually it took six days for someone to die on the cross. I mean three days. However, Jesus died what? Six hours. Everybody was a little astonished about his death. But what did Jesus say early in his life? No one takes my life, but I give it. I take it and I put it down, is what he said. Because when you read that in theory, what Jesus just got finished saying and what he proved is he proved that you can try to kill me all you want, but I'm going on my own terms. And he had to because in these festivals, he was working this harvest out. He was working these feasts in. He had to be somewhere at a certain time to fulfill prophecy. Okay? So in the unleavened bread, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So that's a clear representation of what we do and how we celebrate that. And we have to see that. I love seeing the parallels between the old and the new and the new and the old. Because if you go on to the new, there's a lot of parallels. And Jesus quoted a lot of scripture back here that we don't even want to read. But he's constantly referring back to to get the Jews to believe who he is because he knows that. Mm -hmm. Amen? Knowledge is a great thing. The next one is the first fruits. Really basically what that is is thanks God. Thanks to God. Just, you know, thanks to God. Just give God thanks. You know, I got a feeling a lot of people complain more in churches and in America than ever before. Just people complain, moan, and groan. I wish I could just hear any, a newscast or something without people complaining. Just stop complaining. We are Americans. We are spoiled rotten. We can complain about anything. If I complain, Mindy just gets on me real quick. So these French fries are cold. She said, you better be glad you've got French fries. 
I mean, just shot me down. I mean, and she's right. I mean, because we can complain about some silly stuff. Amen? So this too in Leviticus 23.10. Are you in 23.10? Yes. Leviticus 23.10. Nine. These are the smallest letters I've ever seen in my life. Let's go to 11. He is the wave of the sheave before the Lord, so it will be accepted on behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. So there's that wave offering. There's that thank offering. Everything's placed in here to to make sure that that all works right. Uh, Was the last. This was the last of the feast that... um, that we actually got involved with the Lord here. We wouldn't see him personally anymore after this feast. So this is the beginning. After that, he was offered up. So there was great hope, great promise, and that was for us to think about that promise to the end. Amen? How many's got a promise of the end time? How many's got a promise of heaven? How many's got a promise and are holding on to the promise of God? How many are holding on to the promise of God? You know, we asked that question one day, are you surviving or are you thriving? Because no matter what this world lays on you, you've got a promise that's better than any bank account. You've got a promise better than any house you live in. You've got a promise from God that's greater than any circumstance you're going through right now. I stand on his promises. The fourth one is the weeks or Pentecost or harvest. Basically, we were talking about the redeemed or the resurrected. We start liking this one because we're entering on to the prophecy of getting where the church was born, praise God. Because in the weeks it says, occurred 50 days after the beginning of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. 50 days after that, which is a representation of what? It's a representation of the new, the Pentecost, when Jesus told them to go there. And they waited there. And only on that appointed time, and that appointed time there, did something happen. Then it was there where Jesus came back. But what happened in this? Because we call this the weeks of harvest or, or Pentecost. Harvest, I like, because what happened? How many souls got saved at Pentecost? 3,000 souls. So in this one in the Old Testament, it refers also to the New Testament. The harvest of 3,000 souls, praise God. Our birthing as a church basically comes from that. Everything being fulfilled up to that point. And now this one coming up, praise God. I love this part, but I can't ever, I can't ever get it right. But trumpets. The trumpets. Now, my, my Jewish rabbi, Dick Rubin, has a video on this, and he, has, he sells these things, but he, there's a way to blow it. And uh, my problem is, if I get to where I'm smiling, if I smile one little bit, it's over. I can't blow it. So if y'all get me smiling, I've done blown it. But when we get to the, the trumpets here, I mean, there, there were signs of this that, that think about this. When they were in the field working, and the trumpets blew. They went to the tabernacle to worship. That's what they were called to do. They dropped everything and took off and went to the tabernacle to worship. Mm-hmm. Now think about this picture. Now you had Jews and Arabs out there too. What do you think the Arabs thought when all the Jews took off and left and they're out there working? Yeah. Same symbolism of what? Same symbolism 
Huh? Jesus said, want to be taken? Want to be left? One day the trumpet will sound. That's just a little taste of what that trumpet's going to sound like from heaven. It's going to shake everybody. It's going to shake everything about us. But our shaking's going to move when we get it. When we hear that trump, praise God. That's for us. It's time for us to be taken, praise God. No more working in the field. You don't have time to do nothing else. There ain't no more nothing. It's time to go. And there's something about this ram's horn and what it represents. And if you've ever studied it out, what this is, is putting such emphasis on the power of air and God's breath going through a dead vessel. Dead. Carcass. But these things are so powerful, they're mentioned all throughout the Bible. Leviticus 23, 24. I will get me a bigger Bible. Yeah, y'all keep laughing, uh huh. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, hmm. <laughs> On the way to on the seventh month, on they have the day of rest, sacred assembly, commemorating the trumpet blast. Do not do regular work any longer, but present an offering made to the Lord by fire. By fire. And church, I don't know about you, but now we're in the situation where we've had the first four. Now we're floating around in the feast that we are coming up to in our lives. We're living in that age and that day. And after that, when the work stopped, there's something called the Day of Atonement. And that Day of Atonement is very powerful because we can use it in every reference possible. Many believe prophetically it points to the second coming of Jesus when he will return to earth. The priest would confess their sins, and they were called to do that 24 hours. Could you imagine? I'd be gone to sleep somewhere in there. Somewhere in there, I'd fall asleep. But they were to pray, and they were to erase the sin, not for the people, but for them. Could you imagine if God told you, you pray 24 hours to ask forgiveness, and I'm going to let you go. And you woke up, and you fell asleep. But now what? Our atonement. What about our atonement? What about our atonement? Jesus paid the price. <laughs> Jesus is the atonement. And so as we look at this, we can understand some things very clearly that make this so powerful. <laughs> Matter of fact, it was one of the, the days of high confession. It was one of the highest of holy days. Many religions and serfs and uh, bishops, and, but when it comes high holy days, you know, all garmed up. Put up, and we're going to go all out for this service. We're going, huh. I don't know about you, because I kind of like that stuff. You know, I used to talk trash about the Catholics and the Episcopals and all those um, Levitical things that they do and liturgical things that I didn't understand, and I would put them out and throw them out with the bathwater. 
But it didn't take one time I went to a church where that was going on in Savannah, Georgia, in a $10 million sanctuary where, praise God, it was so holy in there that God's presence shot through the windows. And see, it ain't about the church. It ain't even about the denomination. It's about how your heart is. And so I don't ever look at those kind of things anymore and judge anybody. I don't judge anybody for what they do and they don't do. Now, the Tabernacles of Booths, which is Leviticus 23, 34. Are you there? All right. Glad y'all read it. Um, Go ahead and read it, honey. You can read it loud enough. This one's going to be very clear. Yeah. Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth of the seventh month, in the Feast of Booths, for seven days to the Lord. On the first day is a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work of any kind. For seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. And on the eighth day you shall have a holy con- convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is in the assembly. You shall do no laborious work. Keep going. Nope, that's good. Go to Micah 4.1. Now this is the part we got to, so I just told you I just want to hit it in a little nutshell. Didn't want to go through two depths because we can go for pages and pages of information for each one of these. But when we go through this, we need to understand there's a reason for the offerings and there's a reason for the sacrifice. It's all about sin. It's all about redemption, about atonement. So when we go through these things and as we hit this season we're in already, we're coming into the Easter season. Amen? So Passover is very important. So we get to the unleavened bread. I don't know about you, but I don't like unleavened bread. But there's a reason why they had to eat, you know, have unleavened bread. Take the sin out, amen? First fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, Day of Atonement, and now we're at Booths. Micah 4, 1 through 7. And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountain, and it will be raised above the hills, and the people will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his ways, and that he will, that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will judge between many peoples, and render decisions for mighty, distant nations. Then they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they train for war. Each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree, with no one to make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Though all the people walk, each in the name of his God. And for us, we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. And in that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather the outcast, even those whom I have afflicted. I will make the lame a remnant and the outcast a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion. 
from now on and forever. God made little, they made little tents, little tabernacles that they would shelter in. And I believe firmly that God is wanting to tabernacle with his people. That he is literally coming down. He's going to return and rule and reign at this point. I believe that that is a ruling and reigning part. We've already seen the coming back. We've seen that. But I believe firmly that this is God coming back for the world and the world. Now, should Christians celebrate these seven feasts? You know, the question is, they're they're pretty good stuff, right? So, um, let's see. What does the Bible say? The Bible says in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. What is he saying? They're saying here, don't worry about the festivals. It's not about whether you celebrate or you don't. But don't judge those that do because that is powerful. And he's saying it's all about Christ. Let's face it, some of it's beautiful. I want to carry y'all all I can to Israel. We want to go to Israel. We're trying to work out a, a price and a term that we can take the whole church or anybody that wants to go here within the next year. Um, but you will not wake up to some of these things until you go to Israel. Then you'll begin to see some things. And last but not least is Romans. Turn to Romans chapter 14. And now my eyes are getting acclimated and the sermon is over. Fourteen five, are you there? I'm going to start in four. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than the other. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord. He who gives thanks to God, he who sustains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to the Lord. For none of us live to himself alone, and none of us dies to ourselves alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. Point again. I like celebrating all of them. I'm actually going to enjoy this season that we're in because when you get into this season, we're constantly reminded of what Christ has done for us. Stand to your feet this morning and let's close this service. Father, we thank you and praise you that you've just shown us a little glimpse, little nitbits of the festivals and and all the feasts that you have put on, the parallels between the old and the new. And each and every one of them, Christ shows up in every one of them. So, Father, as we read that, what we as people call a boring, crazy, unbelievable book, Lord, you purposely put things in place in Leviticus, not only for them of that day, but for us for this day. 
Now, Father, we thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in our lives. And, Lord, as we read Numbers for this following week, we're going to read it, not just to read it, but to study it. And, Lord, we're going to receive what you have in it for us. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives today. Lord, we give you all the praise and glory for each and every person that's here. And as I close this service this morning, praise God, I'm going to pray a prayer over you. And while I do that, if anyone's here after I say amen, need prayer for anything, we have people here that would like to pray with you before you leave. So do that. Do not leave here without having that thought. If you said to yourself, I need prayer, or you're thinking it right now for anything, don't leave this place. We'll have some people up here for you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen. Go in Jesus' name.